Hello everyone, welcome to the show. It's Newton's Nuggets. It is. <laughs> and that's as much wow. as we have prepared. <laughs> wow. You are going to edit out the bit just before that, right? Possibly, possibly Good man. not. Good man. What are we doing today? This week we are on episode oh. two of our new series, which is introducing... Our very, very, very good friend. This is the one that Jesse wants to title, Two Old Men Reminiscing. I mean, that was one of the two notes that I made, yes. It really was. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> this this episode really, 50% of this episode is that, is just the two of you. I liked it. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was quite funny. I was thinking, ugh. It's like being at a family party. <laughs> but with the two uncles just two chatting uncles about Two just chatting stuff. about the good old days. Ah. Yeah. Sorry, Simon. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the second of our new series with Simon Smith talking about SA Energy and how they've got to where they are. Yeah. So, should we do a little bit of music and then go to the actual interview? Let's do the jingle. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Right, we warned you we'd be getting Simon back, so we've got Simon in our new office. We told you about this last week. This is the first proper look at how we're going to do interviews in the air, so fingers crossed this will work. First of all, Simon, thank you for coming back, mate. Thank you for having me back, and congratulations on your new space. It's, let's uh, let's not, nice mate. I've up. I've seen the bills. I'm, <laughs> this, I'm nervous. I'm not nervous. Yet you dude. You've only just started. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. So so we've just moved into Ferrum Innovation Centre. Um, so if you want to send us, you know, prizes, gifts, cash. You're more than welcome. Everything through Unit 3. <laughs> your unit? No! <laughs> so, last show, um, we talked about you at school. We yep. talked about how how you started to... Well, we talked about your home life. We talked mm. about the fostering side of things. We yep. talked about your reading. We talked about how you went out into the business world. The first business you started with a buddy of yours. Mm. We had literally got to the point of that business is running. We talked about contracts you've done and, and partnerships and, and why they scare both of us and why we love them at the same time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's... Uh, do you know what? Picking a partner in business and in life is so difficult. Yeah. Um, you and I both have very, very good and very, very scary examples of that. We do, yes. Um, and she's at home today, so we're good. Yeah, mine too. They, they won't listen to this, they, right? Definitely not. Awesome. No, no. Actually, they have each other's contact details. Oh. Okay, so um, we love you both. There we go. That's, that's I think we're safe. It, definitely. Yeah. Jesse will well, edit cool. out the bit where we could get in trouble. Yeah, he won't. No, he won't. No. Um, <laughs> He's just looked over at us and gone, no, no, the two of you are screwed. So um, we got to the point where you were hitting about 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Your business is up and running um, and doing quite well by the mm. sounds of it. Yeah, we did good. So what I want to do now is is ask <clears throat> you blatantly uh, from that age, you've got a business up and running. You haven't had a proper job yet, have you? Uh, well, I had an apprenticeship. Uh, which I did with a, a company called Ferrantes. Oh, um, you did mention them because yeah, you said that yeah. they're not about anymore. Yeah, Didn't they're in pieces all over the show. It's a real shame. Probably one of the last great engineering companies, but hey ho, that's the way life goes. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I was very, very fortunate to do an apprenticeship scheme there. Probably one of the last great proper apprenticeship schemes you could go on. Um, yeah. As I said last time, dumb enough to not know that as a kid, but smart enough now. 50 years old to realise how useful that was and how much it's missing these days. But uh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we were. Um, we've moved through that formative time of, of learning to work, I guess, and um, then moving on into my own business. I'd had a, a little job in between when Ferranti's went. I went working for a friend of the family uh, doing telephone repairs, electronics, basically. Yeah. Um, and then moved on to do that for myself um, with with somebody else as a partner. Um, and that was okay. It was fine. It was a good little business. We grew it from basically nothing. I'd done a few interesting things along the way. And uh, we'd gotten to the point where we could kind of see the writing on the wall for repairs of telephone equipment. So yeah. you've got to think this is a time when you would buy a, a desktop phone I don't know, 40 or 50 pounds, something like that. So it was worth repairing them. Yeah. And we were moving into a time when telephone equipment was now becoming 
a bit of a throwaway item at sort of yes. five or six quid for a desk phone. You, and even some of them then were going digital, so VoIP phones and things, which you're just not repairing. Nobody's doing that anymore. No. So we could see that. So we started changing the business a bit, got into uh, building a few PCs. And I came up with this idea of building a, um, a kiosk, effectively, for playing pub quizzes. My partner was really into the pub and his pub quizzes and his karaoke and all that sort of stuff. Nice. Okay. And I kind of had this brainwave that we could build a little kiosk thing that you could put in all the different pubs and stuff and play quizzes over the internet with different pubs and have little leagues and things like that. Yeah. Which was okay. It was an all right idea, a bit too soon in the sort of development curve of that technology, really, I think. Um, so we built a demo of it and we got a little bit of funding and got some people involved, but we had to shut down the telephone business along the way. <clears throat> so I'd gone off to do other stuff whilst we were trying to get this, this whole thing off the ground. And unbeknownst to me, entirely my fault really um my partner at the time had decided he was going to take all of that and do deals in the background on his own and find separate funding and push it a different way so sorry push the telecoms or the no, no the, the kiosk pub game thing <coughs> so he took all of that and started doing deals in the background that didn't involve me at all and just effectively cut me out of the business which it kind of leads me back to that whole statement of be very careful you pick for a partner um yeah. you know it's uh I still consider it as being my error. Uh, it was my responsibility to to look after the interests of the business and myself, mm-hmm. and I failed to do so. So, you know, painful lesson learned. Um, and I found out because uh, the leasing company for the van phoned me up to say that the can- the contract had been cancelled and needed to come and pick the van up. So <laughs> I'm so nice. like, ooh, okay. So I phoned him up and he's like, yeah, this is how it's going to be. And... Uh, yeah, if you don't like it, uh, tough because that that's a done deal. So, so it's, that was me, right? So you you've kind of shot across two things there: mm. um, the emotion and mentality of shutting down your first successful business, mm. the telecom stuff. Yeah, uh, I want to pick on that a bit. Yeah, because I think that's a tough one that nobody ever prepares you for. Oh no, absolutely not. You have no idea. I think one of the benefits I had. Uh, was being young enough for it not to really matter. Ah, uh, yeah, because you're you still know. really a teenager attitude. Yeah. I've, of bounce off and move on. Yeah. So, you okay. know, we bought a house. I didn't go silly and, you know, this is in the days of self-declaration mortgages, so I didn't go nuts and max out to the hell on it, you know. It was... Sorry, just remembering happier times. <laughs> <laughs> self Well, to be fair, they didn't really end well for many people. So, you know, short-term gain, long-term loss. But I will uh, just say, worked out well for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, there is that. Um, yeah, I can't say I complained either, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, so we bought our first house. Uh, it was a sensible place for the size that we needed. You know, we just got yep. our yep. first little and kind of on the way and no plans for that. And, uh, you know, so it, it was fine. It wasn't the end of the world. It was disappointing, but... I'd learned to be an electrician, so I felt quite confident uh, that it wouldn't really matter. I can always work. If I've got a set of tools and a way to get around, I'm going to be able to work. But you've also kind of covered, um, you did a very sensible thing there. I know I know you, you glossed over this, mm. but you looked at the telecoms business and yeah. you went, these are going from 40, 50 quid per handset. So therefore, spending 10 to 15 pounds on repairing mm. is well worth it. The, the lifespan of it goes up massively, yep. really helpful for your customers, making you profit all the time. Yep. You now go into a world where they're getting cheaper, they're getting mass manufactured, they're coming in from other countries, and now it's five, six pounds per handset. Yeah. All of a sudden, what's the point in paying someone 15 quid to repair it? Yeah, you just not. You just ditch it and yeah. plug another one in. Absolutely. Um, and I think around that time, it was also when you literally started getting the telephone bases the handsets could plug into them. Oh, yeah. Rather than it being a full sealed unit as Correct, well. yeah. So you were literally going, well, this is now a part that's worth £2. Mm. Yeah. That's the only part that's broken. Ditch it. Put that Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. New handset, but the same phone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that change only affected certain people, but you were definitely one of those people. Oh, yeah. So yeah. what you did there was you looked at the market, worked out this business mm. wasn't as viable as two, three years ago. Yeah, correct, yeah. So we'd we'd already, as I say, we'd sort of branched into building uh, PCs and things like that. So, uh, And back then there was money to be made in hardware, um, unlike now. 
I think most of the money's made in the software and, and more really in maintenance contracts than it is in in the sale of the equipment. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Even even back end at the wholesale end, I think it's very tough to make margin on them. But you know, there are some companies that do well. But it's a difficult market now, uh, very different marketplace now. So we would buy from a local uh, distribution place. Um, you know, we're talking three eight six and four eight six computer chips. Oh there. wow! Yeah, this is this is really going back in the mists of time. And, you know, I remember building my first dual 486 computer. That was a beast. I had no idea what I wanted it for. I just wanted one. And <laughs> so we built this thing. And, uh, yeah, it was absolutely cutting edge. And, uh, you know, so we were we were doing that sort of work at the time um, and selling computers and maintaining and things like that. It was, it was kind of a, a progression of my nerdiness that so we could get involved in that sort of thing without any yeah. great transition that of training. Kind of kit, that kind of that, those kind of PCs back then. I can remember talking with somebody. Um, they were one of those people that wanted to pretend they know everything about technology. Mm. They knew next to nothing. Yep. And they turned around to me and they said, this computer I've got, it's the best possible. And they're never going to make them any better than this. <laughs> and, and I remember when they said that, I went, that's rubbish. Yeah. And it was like, no, 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 I'm right. I spoke to the person at uh, Curry's World. Oh, PC, renowned for their whatever. Uh, in-depth insights into um, technological advancements. Yeah. yeah, so I said, basically, you spoke to a salesman who sold you the best spec right now. Yeah. But I already know that PCs are being, you know, that these boards yeah. are being made smaller and faster. And, and now the fact is I have a phone in my pocket that would kick oh. the backside of any computer that was about there. Yeah. It's it's insane the power that you you hold in your in your hand literally mm. uh, these days compared to what we were playing with then is is massively disproportionate. Yeah, um, and it's it's one of those things that fascinates me actually, and I'm slightly away from what we're talking about. But you kind of the progression of technology through uh, my art, sort of technological arc during my lifetime, the things that have come had their lifespan and disappeared. And then no more, you know. You don't have yeah. CDs anymore. I was massive, massive when I was younger. I was having to use CDs about that anymore. last night. Literally, um, opening up Spotify. Other apps are available. Mm-hmm. Open up Spotify and playing my rock out playlist because yeah. it's the stuff that I'm only allowed to listen to when I'm on my own because I sing it. <sighs> Yes, no, that's, I'm sure Sorry. that's brilliant. Sorry yeah. to everyone. Yeah, that's amazing. Trained, vocal, oh, practice. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking about that literally last night going, do you remember when it used to be you'd get your favourite CD, pop that in? Yeah. And then people were amazed when we could write our own CDs. Oh, incredible times. Amazing DVD writers. Times. Oh, oh, my word. You know? Oh. All gone. All gone. Yeah. CD changer in your car. Do you imagine how posh you were when you had a six-disc CD changer? In your car. My favourite story on this. My buddy found one of the old floppy disks. Right. Blue floppy disk yeah, with yeah. the silver little movable bit yeah, that yeah. you should never move. He showed it to his daughter and she went, Oh, you've 3D printed the icon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Brilliant. Amazing, Brilliant. right? <laughs> Absolutely. This is like the 42 thing earlier on. Yeah. The cultural references, yeah. they just don't have them anymore. No, no. So, <laughs> sorry, do, sorry, we're going to go on tangents a lot of times during this series. So, you're now at the point where you know the telecoms business is going and you've mm-hmm. made a decision to move on from that. You've done this pub games thing and you're trying to network it across the country, which, by the way, at that time, genius. Yeah, yeah, like I say, far too far ahead of where it needed to be. I mean, yeah. it was low data transmission, so not a huge problem. Um but in terms yeah. of housing the equipment in an environment like that, yeah, really, really challenging Where to do. Alcohol, yeah, stuff moving about, drunk yeah. people moving about. People yeah. have to break stuff and imagine <clears> that. <throat> and you're giving them something yeah. they have to argue with. Touchscreens were not a thing. Yeah, no, not certainly not an affordable thing. Um, which so you're is probably doing A, B, C, or D responses. We actually tried to build it with a, a hardened keyboard. So we used an industrialized keyboard to do it. Nice. Um, with CRT in the casing, um, an industrial keyboard and the PC underneath, and it would connect. And we got two machines talking to each other. Brilliant. It worked perfectly well. Yeah. Um, but packaging that in a way and putting it in an environment that I frankly didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, I don't do pubs, so I don't know the environment at all. Yeah. But you're also talking about square meterage, you know. Yeah. It's like any retail environment I understand now, square meterage is important. You've got to earn off every square meter. 
And uh, if we're going to put in something that's the size of a desk, then it's going to have to have a, yeah. a good return. Because this is uh, it. For, because um, for those of you who don't get that, if you're putting a thing into a space where that space could be used by two chairs and two more people drinking and eating food, yep. what's worth more money to the company? Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's a tough one to sell to to publicans to hotels. Yeah, because you're taking away possible revenue. Absolutely, for a yeah. thing that we don't know what it's going to earn. Yeah, I mean the idea was pretty universally liked. Um, there wasn't a huge problem with that. The problem was how do you translate that in, and that's kind mm. of what we were looking for in terms of VC. Um, kind of term I didn't really understand. Then we, were, I was just looking for money and input, and what we were looking for was venture capital. Um, and some guidance in the business, probably needing to bring in a, you know, a CEO or a, a director back then of, of some knowledge of that space that we could bring yeah. on to actually help us develop that out, which is what we would do now if we were trying to break into a new market. You'd bring in venture capitalists, you'd bring in, you know, somebody, a CEO or a director who could help you manage that. Um, and and that's how you would grow into a new market space you don't have the talent for. But I, I don't know. I was yeah. twenty years old, and I, I think I that's a I that's know. a conversation we're going to get to, but possibly in a later show, mm. because uh, the mental theft have had people approach them mm-hmm. with approach them me. They've approached me <laughs> with offers of money, um, and then the, the then you get a list of contracts and rules Absolutely, and what you have to yes. do, and yeah. and all of a sudden. Uh, poorly being able to do whatever he wants and and with uh, no rules. Yes. Suddenly you start going. There's a shackle there. Yeah. And I now can't say bad things about this yep. because, because actually that company's owned by that yeah. VC who owns this bit of this, and I now can't I yeah. can't tell people honestly that thing's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we might lose a financial input which has been helping us do the other good things. Yeah. So it does turn into a massively moral argument in your own head. It does, and it also is is one of my other standing comments that I, I do tell everybody is that not all money is good money. And yeah, uh, you know, yeah, this is definitely one of those situations where you you you're picking your partners well. Yeah, um, but also you got to understand that just because somebody's going to rock up with a million quid doesn't mean you're going to have a a good time of it, and it's all going to be wonderful and roses. And in yeah. fact, in most cases, you're probably going to lose a lot. In yep. order to be able to gain a very small amount, and you have to weigh up the value is in that to you. But and it's none of this, none of it was on my radar at that age. No, none and it's it. it's quite funny and scary because, um, I I've said no to the money input mm-hmm. three times now. Yep, and each time it's gone up, and the last time it went up quite significantly. And you and I, and I'm quite open with the people that listen to the show as well, it would make a massive difference to us. Mm, yes. But then I look at the, um, what would I have to give away for that? There's what you have to give away and how long it lasts for as well. So there's a, the, the current business that I have now, there is an opportunity for me to run it in a completely different way. And I appreciate we're getting a little bit ahead in the timeline. but It's all right. My uh, job is to go back and make sure it works every okay. time. So carry so, on. One of the things you have to consider is how you're going to run your business and what your end goal is. So I could, in my industry, it is not uncommon to simply have a call center, have everybody ringing around, doing mass marketing on all the social platforms, and you just Mm -hmm. pay for that, and you pull your leads in, and you just sell volume. Never mind (coughs) standard, never mind quality advice. You're just pounding leads out, and we see that a lot. That is very, very common in our game. Now, I'm going to jump in there. This is why I have such a problem with your industry. Yeah, absolutely. Because the quality goes to the floor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The customer service goes to the floor. Yep. And they are literally worried about volume of sales to get a 5 or 10% profit. Yeah, I mean, we're we're right in the... I'd say we're right at the peak, actually, of, uh, funnily enough, a race to the bottom in terms of yeah. cost and quality. Yeah. Um, you know, people are price conscious and they should be. Uh, I'm not suggesting for a second that everybody should pay twice as much as the cheapest price, but the long and short of it is if it's very, very cheap, yeah. you kind of got to wonder why. Um, you know, you, it's not about what you're buying now, it's about, you know, I have customers I've been dealing with since uh, 2010. Uh, still come back and buy from me. I still look after their systems. Bear in mind that that would have been a different business back then because yep. we've gone through a couple of loops since. Yeah. Um, 
but I still look after them. And that's what they paid for. Now, yes, this business I have now might charge a service visit or something like that. If we've got to change an inverter out, there will be a cost applied to that. But we're still supporting it. There's a lot of businesses around who have made their three to five year window work and then packed up and gone. And they've know. literally jumped out and disappeared. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got no chance, yeah. I fix and, a lot of systems. It's a yeah. huge part of my business. And, um, you know, the vast majority of them are nothing that I've ever touched before. I can still remember how much of a strop you and I both had about a lot of the companies that were offering free PV oh. on roofs. Because we, we both just... And I'm not in the industry. Yeah. Um, you were and still are. And I talk to you every so often about it, and we'd just both be like, get people to check the contracts. Mm. Oh, the pain of getting out some of those is is unreal. And most of yeah. those contracts have been sold on to investment houses, or even even in some cases to debt collection companies. So you've no idea, you know, who on earth it is you need to speak to to try and get when you want to change anything or move house. Or it's an absolute minefield. Yeah. You know, it's a hugely mismanaged section of our market, and it, you know, it's it's a great shame that it happened. Um, there was a potential for it to be of huge benefit to those who literally couldn't afford it, and it could still be that way now. But um, yeah, it was just massively abused. Yeah, and uh, you know, people like free stuff. Right. Okay. But- that's that's us getting on our soapbox about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're probably going to mention that every single show we do because it <laughs> properly annoys me. Just irritate me somewhat. Um, so I'm going to jump back a bit. Mm. Um, so so the telecoms company has has gone down through choice mm-hmm. and and understanding and looking at the market and understanding yep. the value. Um, the pub game. I'm, I'm going to keep calling it that. Yeah, the yeah. pub game. Um, basically, from my view, you got screwed over. I yeah. know you have said that you take responsibility for it, mm-hmm. but I'm an overprotective friend, so you got screwed <laughs> up, okay? okay. Um, now, in that instance, how does Simon feel? Um, I think my initial reaction, I was just absolutely fuming. No, no, I, was, I was really angry. Um, I was a very different person back then. I wasn't that calm. Um so, yeah, I was very, very angry about the situation. Um, I would have been a lot happier if there had been an honest conversation where, you know, if the chap had come to me and said, look, they'll invest in this, but you can't be part of that journey. It would have been a disappointment, but I would have been happy to see it happen. Purely for the love of seeing the idea come alive. Seeing that flourish and yeah. knowing. And that's fine. Yeah. Because I've... I've never really been that overly concerned about the money. It's nice to have, but it's not important. Um, I did go through a period in my life where I was quite materialistic, but that's long gone. And um, it, it didn't. I was more angry and disappointed that I felt I'd been uh, let down by someone I'd chosen to trust. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. was very, very upset with myself because uh, I'd allowed it to happen. I'd put myself in a very compromised position and trusted that everything would be fine. And it's it's a tough lesson to learn, I think, especially when you're younger, um, is understanding that people have different agendas. Um, you never truly know what somebody else wants out of life. You'll never really understand how they think. Yeah. Um, even in your closest friends and relationships, you never will know. And it's, you know, and, and, and conversely, you will never know how I feel about things and how I think about things because we all see the world differently. Yeah. Um, and I feel like uh, probably my, like my ex-partner at that time didn't really see what he was doing wrong. I don't think he set out with an intent of malice. I think it just ended that way. And he took an opportunity for him and his family, um, rightly or wrongly. That's just the way it went down. And... Um, I got over it pretty quickly, I'll be honest. Yeah. It, you know, it probably took me about three days to stop worrying about it and just get on with my life. Wow. Um, it was just, you know, I, I've always been one of those, I can just get on and work. I will always find a way to earn my money and do what I need to do. And I've never been afraid to get my hands dirty. So it doesn't matter to me what I'm doing so long as I am doing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, we had a, a few days of kind of like, well, what the hell am I going to do? And it's kind of like, actually, do you know, you can just go to work. You are an electrician. You'll be fine. Um, 
as as it turns out, that's not actually what I did uh, <laughs> at all. Well, then that's the next question. What did you do after? Because realistically, you're now in a you're now in the uh, mental space where you've been building two things. Mm-hmm. You saw good things for those two things. Now, the first one, like we said, you looked at the market, you looked at the value, and you yep. said, this is going. Yeah. And you made a choice. The second one was thrust upon you. Yep. Um, so in that in that three days, by the sounds of it, you've got to spin yourself around into a mm. different direction. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I've still got bills to pay. Still a mortgage there. You know, yeah. It's only 300-odd quid a month. But, hey, I've still got to find it. And back then, 300-odd quid wasn't to be sniffed at. And, and weirdly, back then, if you were paying a mortgage, it was harder to get support from the government than if you were renting. Oh, yeah, you get nothing. Yeah. yeah. And as, as somebody coming out of self-employment as well, um, yeah, there's, there would have been literally no support. I don't even think I could sign on, to be honest. Um, I just, I never even looked into it, to be fair. But uh, effectively what I did is I sort of ummed and a little bit for a day, got over myself a bit, and then um, I thought, okay, I'll go do an electrical work. And I, thought, oh, I don't really want to do it. I don't really enjoy it that much. We could, but I don't really want to. And I ended up going to the job centre and there was a few things we did. Do I want to work for this computer company? Do I want to do this, that and the other? And and I spotted an advert for a company that were uh, looking for a software engineer. Yeah. And it just happened to be in a language that I'd self-taught myself once I was writing my own software for the previous business. So I thought, I'll have a punt at this. Sorry, that's amazing <laughs> how you just flew past that. I taught myself this software language Yeah. because why not? Well, yeah, I had to because I couldn't afford to buy software. Yeah. And the development platform was basically free. So it cost me a bit of time. And that age time's cheap. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. It's it's um, a philosophy of the show is if you can afford to freelance it out to someone that's better than you, do so. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But if you can't and you have the time, do it yourself and get yeah. on with it. Yeah, absolutely. Not wrong at all. And uh, so anyway, it, it, it transpired that I, um, <laughs> I was able to talk myself into a job, um, <laughs> doing the next version on from what I was used to. Uh, so I started out day one not having the faintest clue, or faintest, I'm not sure what that word was I just said. but um, I don't care. If you're inventing words, that will help us on that's the whole good, SEO yeah. thing. We've got well, this. language is plastic, so we can go with it. Exactly. Um, so... <laughs> So yeah, we um, we taught myself into this job, and uh, I had no idea what I was doing on day one. But I bought a couple of books, and this is this is a running theme for me, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, just got in there, read the books, figured it out, and started doing what I had to do. We did some network stuff. They were building an extension on top, so we bought me a bit of a breather because we were wiring up the place, yeah, uh, putting all the network structure in and all that sort of stuff, which for me was dead easy. Yeah, um, so it saved them a load of money. It was, like, oh, it was great. I got away with that. And uh, yeah, I had, had a ball for about a year or so. We built PCs. I got them to buy all the components in from my normal distributor, and we did some good deals and. Went down there in a couple of the uh, works buses and picked up all the kit, <laughs> brought it all back, Brilliant. spent a couple of days building computers. It was great fun. And uh, and that was fine. That was absolutely fine. Um, until it sort of wasn't anymore. And I I just ceased to enjoy the job. Um, it wasn't that much of a challenge and I didn't, I just wasn't enjoying it. And, and I decided... Um, Change as good as a rest. Let's go find another job somewhere else. And I found a job uh, at, at Glasses Guide down in uh, in Weybridge. And mm. um, I went down there and got the job. Again, taught myself into this thing. Great. And they put me in there and I was working away. And I was sat in a room with a bunch of contractors. And I don't know if you know how the IT industry works, especially from the software development side. There were very, very few people permanently employed uh, as software techs, APs, if they're honest, programmers. Um, most of it would be contracted in for specific tasks. It's much cheaper. You bring someone in, high rate, but they're there for, you know, ostensibly a year, bang out the software that you want, send them on the way. There's no tie-in for the business, none of the issues behind of having staff. And uh, so, so we had all these contractors sitting around, and I remember I was sat in there, and I'm thinking, now, what was I? 22-ish, maybe 23. Yeah. And uh, I'm driving around in this beat-up Fiat Uno. And uh, I don't know what I was on, like 24, 25 grand a year. 
uh, working in Weybridge. We were renting a place in Basingstoke in a place called Hook. And uh, they sat me next to this guy, really nice guy, he's about 19 years old, and turning up to work every day in a Porsche wide body, 911 wide body in purple, lovely car. Owns a house in the middle of London with parking, so you can imagine. Nice. Yeah. And he was working as a contractor, doing my job, same as me. Yeah. Coming to me and asking me how to do stuff. And earning so much more than me. And I'm like, I, I need a slice of this particular yeah, pie. This, this doesn't seem fair or right. Yeah. Right I now. mean, it is It is what it is. Yeah. There's nothing unfair about it. It was two different paths in life. And, and, and I, I knew nothing about contract. I didn't know it existed as an option. So I'm like, well, this this has got to be worth a punt, hasn't it, really? Let's let's have a look at this. And uh, I remember this this very vividly because we were just having our first child. And uh, she'd been born, and I got the job at Glasses Guide literally within days of her being born. Yeah. And she was she was quite early. She was a little bit poorly when she was born. And I remember being at work, and I was having a phone interview, an initial phone interview uh, with Southern Electric, to move there as a contractor. It was going to be my first contract job. So my agent had set this up. I'd gone out for lunch with a couple of the guys from the office and I was all excited, you know, I'm going to get back to this. I get a phone call. Need you to come back to the office now. I'm like, oh, heck, what's gone wrong now? (laughs) Minus swearing there, sorry, guys. Um, And I'm like, oh, crikey, we're going to get back. So I get back to the office. I'm like, what's wrong? What's gone wrong? Thinking, oh, there's something gone wrong with the software or whatever. What are we going to do? No, I've had a phone call from from your partner. Um, your child's in hospital, so I'm like, and 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 Laura was probably three, four months old at this point. I have no idea about babies, by the way. They don't come with a book, no. and um, so, so I have no idea what's going on. So I'm like trying to get hold of it. So you just got to go home. I'm like, oh god. So I phoned my agent and said, look, I've got to go and get back. I won't be able to take the phone call for this. And they're like, okay, give me two minutes, phone them up. And the guys from SSE, brilliant, phone me straight back. I had this really quick, literally five-minute conversation with them on the phone. Went through everything, experience, blah, 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 brilliant, off we go. Did not expect to hear from them. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Get in the little Fiat Uno, break many, many rules of which we won't speak. No. Uh, was the statute of limitations on speed? Uh, I don't know. know. You definitely did <laughs> 69.9 miles an hour. Absolutely. It's a Fiat Uno, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, things yeah. would have fell off. But let's face it, we got home very, very quickly. I remember walking into the hospital and uh, finding the ward and uh, the nurse said to me she said oh yeah she's in there she's she's got colic and I uh, immediately just broke down I'm like I have no idea what that as far as I'm concerned she's dying what the heck is colic yeah. what's going on yeah and I was I'm just in bits I love this baby you know and uh yeah, I remember going in there and I'm just in pieces and um, my, my other house is looking at me like, you're right. I'm like, no, my baby's dying. And she's like, she's colic, she'll be fine. They're just going to give her some meds, it'll be great, no worries. So I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, so it took me a while to calm down from that. Um, and it did turn out okay, kid's fine. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was quite a shake-up. And uh, so that's, that's why that particular point in my life just is... It's like it was yesterday. Mate, it's, it's, it's nuts, though, isn't it's, it? I mean, you know, just in the short time we've got today, you've gone through your first two businesses, mm. your relationships, mm. your first two jobs, and then it sounds like the entrepreneur and you went, I'm not made for this working for other people thing. Yeah. And, and you've found a way to get out and be yourself again. Yeah, pretty much, sort of, kind of, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those um, uh, one of those double-edged swords going contracting. Um, yeah. So, long story short, I ended up having a, an actual physical interview, went in and saw the guys at SSE, and a really good sit-down with them, great chat, ended up offering me the job. I was literally, by that point, because this had been a good... It'd probably been a month, and I'd just decided I'm not going back to glasses anymore. I'd handed my notice and left. So I'd left without having a job. Yeah. I have a baby at home, and I've got to make this work. And I I was literally offered the job, more or less on the day I ran out of money. I had just about enough money to go (coughs) and buy a very 
very cheap suit. And I bought a couple of books on programming in Oracle PLSQL. I remember very well. I went down the local second-hand bookshop and bought the latest books I could on Oracle programming because that was the language I'd talked myself into doing. And... Um, yeah, so I spent the uh, the Sunday night reading through and learning keywords, and then everybody had their books on their desk at the office, all the various reference manuals and things. So it was it wasn't out of place for me to have these. Yeah, we had a little settling in period. It's a big organisation, so of course I didn't have a computer on day one. I got in day seven or something. They finally got a computer sorted for me, so I had loads of time to learn. <laughs> How Amazing. I was going to do the job I'd just been contracted to do. So that was fab. I spoke with my agent. The agency paid me a little bit up front so that I could get by. And it kind of just went from there. And um, so I went from uh, 24, 25 grand a year job to I think I started on about 24 ish. It might have been 26 pounds an hour uh, as a contractor. So it was a massive step up in income. Yes. And that felt like to me. That felt like the greatest business ever, but it's not. It's not a business at all. Um, it's just a way of earning money differently. That's all. Yeah, um, and uh, which yeah. then comes with its own perks. Yeah, some <coughs> benefits for sure. For sure, also comes with its own um, downsides. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're self-employed but not self-employed you're employed but you don't have any of the benefits of being employed you have all the downsides of being self-employed yeah you are earning more you don't get holiday or sick pay um you have no rights if they want to cancel your contract there's there's some like you might get a month's worth of money but effectively they can sack you off whenever they want um because they're not technically sacking you correct. they're just not they're giving just terminating you the next contract, contract early so it's a contractual thing if they want to terminate early there's a termination clause they can get rid of you yeah. Fine. Yeah. Um, and of course, they don't have to renew your contract. Most contracts are six months. You've got to go through this whole process every six months. I was very fortunate. My first contract was actually a year because what we were working on was a long-term project. Um, so we knew that we were going to be there for a little while. So they, they brought me in for a year um, with a six-month cut-off point. Uh, so if I was rubbish, they could get rid of me without any uh, fees or anything. Um, which is quite common, fairly standard for that. It's not a problem. Um, and that worked out really well. I ended up being there for two and a half years. Um, That's not bad when, when you talk contract jobs. It was it was very, very good. And and to be honest, the, the only reason I left is because I, I got another contract uh, working at O2, uh, back when it was BT Cellnet, um, yeah. and uh, up at Slough. And I was being paid significantly more than they were willing to pay me at Southern Electric. Um, so my contract negotiation came round. It became obvious to me that my was my skill set now was underrated at SSE or undervalued, I should say. Yeah, and uh, I could simply make more if I went somewhere else. So I went somewhere else. Um, I think I think the last offer at Southern Electric was about thirty five pounds an hour. I ended up going to BT Cellnet at uh, around about fifty pounds an hour. I think was my peak rate there. See, this is it. You've now jumped from. 24 grand a year job mm. to 50 pounds an hour. Yeah, I was doing 100 grand a year, working on a 48 hour week, uh, working on a 48 week year. And this is this is what most people just see as the glitzy, yay, we've got good money coming in. Yeah. Um, whereas we both know the downsides of that is you don't have the backup, you don't have the. Oh, you got nothing. The, yeah. yeah. And it's, this is probably a nice point for me to go, let, let's stop the show here. Okay. But based on what we've talked about today, if I said to you, what nugget would you give, what nugget of advice would you go back and give that, Simon, in that few years? Well, you've done a lot of things. Mm. What would you turn around to that person and and give them as a bit of advice? I think you would you would probably have to kind of tell me what I'm probably already knew then uh was it things tend to work out in the end and they kind of do if you have the drive to keep moving forward i get i guess um i guess these days i would i would advise myself to do some reading on uh probably some of the roman emperors and learn about stoicism really um 
you know, because that's effectively what it was. I just didn't know the words for it. Yeah. You know, the ability to just keep going in the face of a lot of adversity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, believe in the plan. And if you don't have a plan, act like you do. Got it. <laughs> it sounds like he's given advice to me right now. <laughs> Um, t- Simon, thank you very much, mate. I, I really appreciate we've done this recording at a weird time because you've got things going on at the moment. Really appreciate you coming in, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, ladies and gents, we're now going to go back to me and Jesse, and we're going to be talking about Simon behind his back. And I think he's actually out of the country when this one comes out, so he won't even know what's going on. That'd be good. I like that. No. <laughs> if you are sat on a holiday somewhere listening to this show, I will find that funny. That's not going to happen. I love you, but no. Good man. (laughs) Right, ladies and gents, over to me and Jesse. Newton's Nuggets. Welcome back, everyone. See, definitely two old men reminiscing. It was, yeah. It really was. Yeah. The best bit for me, right, was during the interview, because now we've got our new setup. Paul looks around inquisitively for all those people just listening to the podcast. Um, now we've got our new setup. It's kind of funny because when I was doing the interview, I'm sat next to Simon. Yes. And I can see you giggling at yeah. some of the stuff that, that was just really funny. I was trying so hard to be quiet during that as well because oh, I knew if I just started laughing, I'd just like. Yeah, it would have done me. I'd have it done, done me the audio and you guys would have not been concentrating. And I, there was times when I had to look away from you. Um, but no, Simon, I mean, right. Big lessons from this one. Uh, Choose your partner really carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, that's definitely one that I would agree with. Yeah. Be uh-huh. careful. There's some weirdos out there. No comment. <laughs> I don't... Do you know what? We've been so blatant throughout this whole podcast and with most of the marketing stuff we do. Yes. I don't know which one of us people are feeling more sorry for. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. they all know now. Yes, I know I'm weird, right? But you all now know how weird he is too. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, you used to hide your weird from behind the camera. Yeah. Now I you've tried got your until weird you out and you're showing it everywhere. And what? Yeah. What? Okay, good. So, and we never ignore each other. <clears throat> Sorry, did you say something? No, I was just thinking to myself all the things I shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> But that was fun. That was a really, really, back to the interview. That yes. was a really fun interview. Um, Simon went through some things really quickly. Uh, the way that he's taken on board uh, ownership of things that happened, and there were some things there that I think he should not take ownership for, but I'm going to step back from that a bit. What I was really impressed by, and this is something that's very difficult to do, mm-hmm. I think you have, sometimes you have to have the right mindset. Um uh, what he was very good at doing all the way through there and the different scenarios he talked about was having a really good understanding of what he was doing and the marketplace that he was in um, and had a very sort of, I don't know, pragmatic might be the word I want to use or just really understanding what it is that that's there as his business and what his business is about. Because, I mean, it's the it's the thing that we all have seen for years with like Dragon's Den where somebody comes in and like, I've got this amazing business idea and you all just sit there going, I can see why that's not going to work immediately yeah. or whatever. And he really understood where the gaps in the market were, yeah. how he was filling them and how like when the time time was right, how those gaps were disappearing. Um, See, that was one I was going to touch on. Yeah. When he knew the business of repairing phones and repairing kit was going downhill because the kit was now so cheap. And yeah. It was almost pointless to do repairs. I was really impressed with the attitude of, we know this is going away. Yeah. Whereas I've met a lot of people who keep fighting to try and keep that business alive. Yes, yeah. When when looking, as an, looking at it as an outsider, you would go, stop. Just stop now. Yeah. But it, it was like he planned that and he understood that was coming and worked with that. Yeah. I thought, that's well, awesome. The, the thing is with this, and I've seen this in businesses before, you, you, you need to make a strategic decision. Yeah. And that strategic decision for him was either, either, I think looking at it from my point of view, he had two options. He had the business plan as he had, as it was, yep. was disappearing. So he either had to 
go somewhere else and do something else, which yep. is what he decided to do. Or he could have um, niched down and been very much specialist, volumes da- much lower, but then mm-hmm. being more specialist, which is all, you know, both things are a risk, and that, but they're a strategic positive decision rather than just going, oh, where did my business go? Yeah. And, and he could have easily fallen into that. Yeah. I mean, when you also understand the home life and the pressures he was under there, that that's kind of amazing. Yeah. But then the next bit about, you know, starting another business, the whole bar games thing. And uh, I'll be careful. Yeah. Having a business partner that had a different view to yourself. Yes. And finding that out in a very sudden way. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's very difficult uh, when you... I'd have thrown my toys out the pram. Yeah. I would have been stroppy. What's it? I mean, it's it's interesting. <coughs> and you, you can't... In, you've got to be careful, but sometimes you just can't help... You can't help it if the other person is not being open and honest with you. No. I think that's the difficult... And that's where you said, like, he took a lot of that on the chin, but actually you can't really help that sometimes. Like, no. I know you and I have very open and frank conversations about things... And, you know, the other day you came to me with, I've got this idea. And I went, nah, that does, that does, that's not necessarily perfect as an idea because of this. And we talked it through and actually we came up with a, a no, variation. No, I remember it. that differently. I came up with an idea. You said, that's amazing. We're running with it, right? <laughs> Anyone that thinks that's true. Oh, my word. Um, but actually, it's a great example. Yeah. I came up with an idea that I thought was a justifiable idea and and could go. Now, the truth is, this idea could go to market. Yeah. But then Jesse said, well, hold on. That's not what you're known for. You're known for this, this, and this. Why don't you concentrate on that part of it? And people would respect that more and probably enjoy it more. Yeah. And my response was along the lines of, that's a really good point. I'm going to pretend that was my idea and carry on. <laughs> um, but the point there was is that we were open... And discussed it. Yeah. And the reality is, we, if we had still continued to disagree, we would have chosen a path and gone with it. Yeah. And and so and it's it's a bit like when when you look at like business partnerships, it's a bit like real life partnerships where you've got to have that openness, honesty, be able to just compromise, actually choose. You know, sometimes you've just got to choose something and go with it. Um, and it's right. We're in a weird position now where the stuff we're doing is getting better and better known. Yes. And I'm seeing a lot more people that keep trying to say yes to us. Yeah. And I actually love the fact that we've got each other because when I'm getting a load of people who are public going, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. I go, yeah, hold up. (laughs) Jesse, what do you think of this? And Jesse goes, yeah, why? Yeah. (laughs) And and it's a very different conversation because we do have a very blatant, open, look, let's just talk this through and think about all the possibilities. Um, And I know I I go back to the crowdfunder a lot, but the conversation around even starting the thought process of a crowdfunder. Yeah. There was times that you were 100% and I was 0%. There was times that I was 100% and you were 0%. And we kept doing that. Yeah. And then it worked. It's. Do you know what? The thing for me that I, I kind of... You've triggered a memory and I can't remember. Uh-oh. I've got a feeling... Oh, no, it, I got this sleep. Forget whatever I did. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was from... Actually, something from me, but from, I think, before Newton's Nuggets as a podcast was a thing. Yeah. I think... I seem to remember having this conversation with you on camera from my old shed office. Ah. The days where I, my well, there was so little space. Oh, we filmed those with my bum hanging out of the office. So you said your shed office and my back started hurting. <laughs> wow. We were literally cramped. I was oh, against yeah. the wall, wasn't you I? You were, yeah. With a, a, a picture frame with a little bit of green card Resting in it for a green screen. So that we could yeah. actually... Yeah, every yeah. now and again, it literally would be fall. You'd knock it and it would fall on your head. Yeah, and we'd have to do days. a retake. And then every so often, your dog would decide to cuddle me. Yeah, which is interesting because I was in the doorway, so she had to get... Rumi to come to say hello to she you. She was not a chihuahua. <laughs> Horse would be closer, yeah, closer to, the, to the right yeah. description. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, so I remember back then we were talking about the fact that as a, when I was early days as a photographer, I learned very quickly that 
there's a difference between asking a photography expert to look at your pictures and tell you what's good and bad about them. Yeah. To asking a family, a close family member. Yeah. Because they think everything you do is amazing. Unless they're the wrong family member, in which case they think everything you do is rubbish. Yeah. Whereas actual proper critique and actually going, I think this is good and that's bad. And you should, have you thought about doing this? Did you think about doing that? That's really useful. And actually, this is, sounds weird. A couple of YouTubers, and I mean massive YouTubers, one of the things they used to do was um, put, they basically, they did this form that you could submit a photo to. And once a week, they would literally sit there and they'd give it a theme. Mm. And once a week, they would just go through all of these photos uh, from people. And they would they would basically um, critique all the photos. And it was a, it, there was no um, malice in any of it. They didn't, they genuinely, when they were going through the photos, they didn't know whose was whose. They just went yeah. through. Um, and it was great because they were going, right, okay, well, in this photo, well, and like one of them had a bugbear about skin tones and things. And you would, I learned loads about skin tones in that, which was really important for my wedding photography stuff. Yeah. Um, and things like that. And like stuff that most people would never even notice. But as all those little parts as a whole made a big difference to the whole thing. And actually, that's kind of what you need with the business is that actually you need someone who's honest and you don't have to agree with everything. Like sometimes stuff is just personal. And like when I said, we, you know, where we said earlier about like you and I, if we disagreed, we just had to make a decision because the reality is neither of us is right or wrong until it's happened. Yeah. And if you not, if you don't both go down the route of um, like, well, we'll accept that this is the route we're doing and go fully on. It doesn't matter which option you chose, you'd be wrong. Yep. Because you wouldn't be doing a good job. And and on that, I'm going to say, because I've got, uh, there's a lot of people who know me who think that I have a problem with being wrong. I don't. I really could not care less. I'm actually happy to be proved wrong. Yeah. Do you know, and there's a big difference there. If I know something, if I know the information 100%, I'll say, look, this is right because A, B, C. If I'm not sure, I'll go, I'm not sure, but I think this. Yeah. And then if Jesse turns around and goes, actually, I know 100% it's this because he has knowledge, I'll go, we'll go with you then. Mm. And we do. Um, it's, it is a, do you know what? You've got to be two of the right people and actually give a monkeys about each other. Yeah. And it can be really frustrating because you've got to get over yourself. Not just because he's annoying, because we all know he is. I'm annoying for my living. But but when someone, when you have something in your head that you want to work a certain way, mm. and the other person has more knowledge about how that's going to happen, and I've got very specific ideas in my head about that, like where that's happened, I know that I've then got, had to get over the frustration of, well, what I wanted to happen won't work because X, Y, Z. Um, and, and actually, well, I've got to accept that Paul knows more about that particular thing. And so, and likewise, the other way around, it's just sometimes these things are annoying. What was it? We, a year, <coughs> ages ago now, we came up with an agreement of, if it's my speciality, it's mine. If it's your speciality, it's yours. And that, yeah, for, a, for as a nutshell, if it's anything on stage, mine. If it's anything photography and looking pretty, Jesse's. Because we both know our stuff there. But then on the flip side, if either of us have an idea, mm. we float it. Yeah. Because, do you remember the show I did at Hangar Farm? Yes. Now, because I did a show a year ago now mm-hmm. at Hangar Farm that was run by me in conjunction with Minstead Trust, we had a lot of freedom. So Jesse was there for the whole thing, managed to film the whole thing, take photos of the whole thing. But it also means he was there to watch the whole show and at the end of it, he could critique things. And there was just little bits in there yeah. that you went, at this point, when you did this, was there a reason? Yeah, because I needed to X, Y, Z yeah. to get away with what I was doing. And you'd go, okay, that one, all right, then leave that. But then other bits, you'd go, is there a reason for that? Well, no, I just thought it felt right. 
okay, what about doing this? And Jesse had come up with another way that I could interact with the audience on a certain thing, and, that, and I've taken those in. So even when we go, that's ours, Yeah. we still go, go on, what you got? Yeah. It, it's, mate, again, I think, I think the main thing here is both people have to actually give a monkeys about the other person. Yeah. And that's, that's happened. Well, we've proved that far too many times already. Yeah. Um, when, when people have kind of expected us to fall out over things that us two have just gone, yeah, whatever, and yeah. carried on. <laughs> no? I think it's quite good because we're both reasonably self-aware. Yeah. And so that's a, a good starting point for anything. Because if you know yourself and what your priorities are, it's a lot easier to communicate them with somebody else. And if you both understand both of your priorities and your direction, then it's, it's a lot easier. I'll, I'll be careful on this one as well. The public persona that I have is actually fairly different to what I'm really like. I think that's true of most people who have public personas. Yeah, because when I'm on stage, people go, oh, it's brash, it has, you know, just bull china shop, gets to where he wants. Yeah, I do, because I'm going to control the situation and make what I want to happen, happen, yeah. funnily enough. Um, but then backstage, it's very much a, can we have a cup of tea and sit down? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because like, I, I know this from a few different radio DJs because very often the ones that are really loud and over the top and quite extreme and bold and brash on the radio, mm-hmm. they're actually quite quiet in real life and quite shy and retired and kind of awkward and and all of those sorts of things but there's um it it just comes down to they they know what they're doing for the job at the time i remember years ago god this was oh this was quite a while ago now steve hewlett who was on the show yeah. ages back uh he ran a stage show he had, uh, I think it was seven of us doing a cabaret show on stage, raising money for a great reason. Um, and we all had like 15, 20 minutes in this show. Now, I was the least celebrity of all these people. Yeah. Okay. And it was it was quite funny because we had this green room set up for all of us to sit in and have tea and sandwiches and relax and chat with all the other celebrities and all that. Most of us hid in our dressing rooms. <laughs> Because all of us are just like, you know, quiet yeah. time, please. Yeah. I'm going to, I want to hide for a bit. It's quite, like. quite energy sapping doing those kinds of roles where you're mm. public because you've got to be on it 110% all the time. What if, what's going on? If I say something wrong. But even that, you do? know when I need to hide. Yeah. Which amazes me because a lot of people don't see it. They mm. think that I'm still going to constantly be the, yay, people, yay, Luke, come here. <laughs> um, but you kind of go, Paul, go. Yeah. And I go, I'm going to hide. Yeah. And then I have the people for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you anti-people for a bit. Don't you? Yeah. You yeah. kind of just make them stay away. I'm really good at dispersing them. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Right. So we've gone into stories about us. So, um, Simon, that show was awesome, mate. Thank you so much. Really enjoying it. The feedback we're getting is great so far. Mind you, technically, we've only done one of these. Yeah. We've had a lot of people. So we'd love it if you let us know what you're thinking. Put the comments on the YouTube if you're watching on the YouTube. Send us messages. Did whatever. you just call just... it the YouTube? The YouTube. Yeah. The YouTube. Yeah. Jesse's hit an age where everything becomes yeah. the YouTube. Yeah. The YouTube, which is on the line. <laughs> on the on the line. Yeah. Amazing. So <laughs> we're now going to go to Nuggeteer of the week, and this week should we actually put the music in when we dance? Yeah, um, for those of you who missed last week, and I did say that I was going to update it in the um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. in the podcast, but I didn't. No. So if you're listening on the podcast, last week what you would have heard is some shuffling about. Yeah. If you watched it on the YouTube, you're welcome for the free entertainment of me and Paul. I mean, the reality is, is we would have been dancing either way, but what actually, what what you'll re- have realised potentially for the first time is me and Paulie dance has nothing to do with the music. We nothing. just dub it in afterwards. It's like when I dance at a nightclub. It's nothing to do with the music. <laughs> nothing. Especially me if I've got my earplugs in. <laughs> right, should, we, should we do the dance? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, go. It's time for the Nuggeteer of the Week. Should have put the blinds down in the office first. We got Oh, yeah. <laughs> Neighbours now. People. 
<laughs> people who think we're a proper yeah, professional business. We need here. to like put signs up for the podcast, so at least they might go to the podcast. Well, yeah, maybe. Okay, cool. So, Nuggeteer of the Week this week is going to Mr. Chris Dawes. Chris has been on the show before, but this last week he put some awesome comments up on the YouTube. The YouTube? The YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, and we just found it really amusing. So, thanks a lot, Chris. We go and send you some badges and stuff. We, I don't mind if you wear them, if the dog wears them. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Right, have we done everything for this week? I think so. Well, that was a bit planned. The was hell? It? Well, we kind of have a, like, you know... See, even in notes for, for different shows. That's not even the show. There. No, I know. That's amazing. I was laughing when we sat yeah. down. Um, right, ladies and gents, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. You have no idea how much it means to us. Please, like, share, comment, all of that stuff. And we'll see you again next week on Newton's Nuggets. Bye-bye. Nothing.